Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eSchool News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in EdTech this week. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. In this episode, we analyze fresh data and insights posted by and for educators at eschoolnews.com. This includes what are the most pressing security concerns in this post-pandemic era for school district officials, how to build a computer science curriculum for primary grades, and what new models of hybrid learning are emerging as schools embark on the new normal, or whatever we want to call where we are right now. First, can we move on yet? Education leaders are finally able to transition from COVID-related safety measures as a primary problem that they have at their, at their school, and are instead focusing on managing mental health and violence on campus, according to a new report from Rave Mobile Safety. You can find this information at the top of the eSchool News feed this week. Ray's report, 2022 Crisis Communication and Safety in Education Survey, interviewed more than 400 K-12 employees and more than 380 higher ed staffers. There's a lot to chew on here, but a couple stats popped up to me that seemed particularly interesting. Student mental health is the top safety concern for next year going in to 61% of the respondents. That's a pretty large number uh, considering when I would see surveys like that BP before the pandemic. So maybe this is a silver lining that the recognition that no learning can get done without a student first feeling safe uh, in whatever environment they are. Another stat, faculty and staff mental health is the third highest safety concern for respondents. For K-12, 52% and higher ed, 44%. That's a really interesting new stat. I don't remember that question even being asked before. You know, the concern for, for faculty, we should throw some admins in there as well. So I guess, you know, that's another positive number to look at. Another stat, concerns about active assailants on campus rose dramatically year over year for both K-12 respondents at 14% and higher ed respondents, 15%. Not a welcome development, but it is what it is. And then finally, the, the last one, the K-12 survey respondents also shared increased concern about cyberbullying compared to 2021. That was up 12%, uh, while higher education administrators also expressed increased anxiety regarding crime, up 20%, and severe weather events, 19%. So that's another interesting one. Nearly half the survey takers, 46%, are more concerned about active assailants and violent acts than they were prior to the beginning of the pandemic. As with K-12 schools, Social media, again, increased anxiety about this kind of violence on campus amongst respondents. So in that way, it sounds to me that we're unfortunately back to normal when it comes to managing social media and real physical threats uh, on school campuses, which is too bad, but nevertheless a reality. Next, now that faculty and administration can get back to the normal business of creating curriculum and engaging students, some great new ideas and insights are popping up from the eSchool News contributors. In this piece called How We Created a Computer Science Curriculum in Five Steps, Erin Naylor, she's an instructional specialist for the Metropolitan School District of Pike Township in Indiana. She writes about implementing a curriculum for the little ones in primary grades. Go to the story for the full effect, but here are three steps that she put together in the meantime. Number one, find a curriculum that both empowers teachers and students. Choosing the right curriculum was critical to our program's success, she wrote. 
we went into the search knowing that we wanted it to address many particular computer science topics and be easy to teach, even with limited technical resources and expertise. We tasked our librarians to create the original scope and then sequence for computer science that was used during the school year. This allowed us to partner with our provider, Codelicious, to fill the gaps we had in staffing during both the school year and our summer enrichment programs. We have since expanded our use of the curriculum with a newly developed scope and sequence when we moved to a full year K-5 program because it grew with us and it fit our needs. Another step she talked about, support the educators during the rollout itself. She writes, our computer science classes are led by teaching assistants. These educators have varying levels of expertise in CS, but with our curriculum and continued support and librarians, the assistants are empowered to teach computer science to all of our students. Because the digital curriculum we use provides step-by-step -step teacher instructions, the educators do not have to be experts necessarily in computer science to teach it. Our teaching assistants also save time on prep before class because the curriculum is comprehensive and already aligns with state education standards. And here's one more, expand the program with more lesson types and opportunities. She writes, we wanted our computer science program to go beyond teaching students to code. We wanted our students to not only learn computer science skills, but also become better digital citizens, understand online safety and learn soft skills along the way. To fulfill these goals, we chose a curriculum that goes beyond just lessons to offer other elements such as self-monitoring of screen time and, and highlighting STEM careers that our students can aspire to. So a number of great ideas in there where maybe at first blush you might not think about offering computer science to kids in primary grades, but I think especially after this great beta test of the past two years, we don't have to worry about students not being able to handle the technology. And finally this week, I had the opportunity to host a conversation with John Watson, He's the founder of the Evergreen Education Group, and Rachel Goodwin. She is the Senior Director of Academics for Stride Learning Solution. About two phrases that were popular, but rather fuzzy BP or before pandemic. The idea of blended and hybrid learning. Those phrases became very, very real for school districts across the planet in the span of one month back in 2020. Blended and hybrid learning models were first introduced to extend personalized and flexible learning options to selected individuals or group of students. Think special ed or students who are daylight twilight who have to work during the day and then take classes at night. But when the onset of the pandemic came on, widespread adoption of blended and hybrid models suddenly became a necessity across all student populations. Two years later, how have districts overcome these initial challenges and applied the lessons learned to reimagine teaching and learning and develop an innovative vision for change in their school communities. It's worthwhile to listen to this whole conversation. It's called Blended and Hybrid Learning, the Future of Education, and it's under the webinar tab at eschoolnews.com. But in this snippet, Rachel details the various new models of hybrid learning to emerge from this terrible beta test, including the passport model. This is a new one, and remember, you heard it here first. When you take a look at the models that have kind of emerged from this, or at least from, from my perspective in, in my conversations, it seems that division between what remote is and what hybrid is, is on the idea that districts will now provide a virtual academy for students who, do, who seem to perform better 
in this environment, whether it's because of learning differences or other, otherwise, from your experiences. And Rachel, I'll start with you on this one. So as you look around school districts for the past two years, do you see an emphasis on that virtual academy model versus a hybrid model? And maybe talk about what does hybrid even mean now after this transition over the past few years? Sure. What I've seen, I've seen a lot more, you're correct, when you look at the continuum, right, of because of how you define blended, what exactly everyone kind of has their own connotation for that. But if you look at the continuum to fully virtual to in-class use of incorporating technology, for instance, which one we call blended. So I'm seeing more of the virtual, but then also just more in being a little innovative with the hybrid. So you have some individual or some districts that went fully virtual, but they want to incorporate learning centers, so to speak, right? An opportunity for students, if they want to, be able to come into a physical building and be able to connect with their peers or be part of clubs and activities. They want to not for it to be virtual. So offering that learning center or that physical space where they're able to come together um, and be able to participate in those type of activities. So I'm seeing more of those two particular models. When you're looking at high school, um, because it, I mean, learning loss is a big one, right? Everyone's, that's one of the latest topics that's being talked about. And so for, especially for high school, when you're looking at learning loss, a lot of them are also looking at what we call the flex model, where you have students coming in for a certain amount of day, almost like a pod type of experience or coming in for a physical space for, for let's say in the morning and then in the afternoon, they're doing all of their asynchronous work. And when they're physically with the teachers or with a academic director, instructor, it's really focusing on remediation or enrichment. So the coursework, so to speak, is done more asynchronously and more of that individual support is happening in that physical building. Um, and also I'm seeing a lot of like the passport model where students are coming, um, again, they're working virtually for a majority of the time, but then having that center time where they're working with certified teachers with the focus of career counseling and career readiness, mentoring, social services, tutoring, and those type of those type of services happening within that physical space. Um, so I'm seeing those those three types of models more and more um, as we're discussing things with districts and, and planning for implementation and so forth. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eschoolnews.com for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the ed tech space. Remember, eSchool News is always free and always helping innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eSchool News.